Would you stand to your feet and make some noise and show some love to my pastor, Bishop Tom Lowe, as he comes to bring the word. <laughs> this is your house. That's great. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. Oh, my goodness. Pastor John slipped that one in on me. I promise you that. And I think I'll probably share a little bit about that as we... Uh, head toward the conclusion of the message. Hey, while we're celebrating people and thanking people, well, would you help me thank God for this beautiful worship that we entered into in this worship team? All the time, the effort, the energy, the hours of rehearsal. Um, we believe that you ought to bring God your best, never second best. God never belong, deserves second best. God always deserves excellence because he is an excellent God. And I thank God for the excellence in worship today and all the serve team and everybody opening doors and greeting and making coffee, all the people serving in kids ministry today. Come on, would you help me thank everybody on serve team that's serving. While you can be in here unencumbered by small children, they're loving them and teaching them about Jesus so you can come in and worship God uh, without that, uh, just uh, without inhibition. So we're, we're thankful for that. And uh, we're honored, we're always honored to come and we're honored to be a part of your family and certainly Pastor John and Desiree and their kids and Parker and Paisley, we love these guys so much and we're grateful for them. And Pastor John's talking about, um, Trina said, that's Tom Lowe about the menu deal. Well, yesterday, Pastor John and I found out we got a lot of little idiosyncrasies in common. I, we got finished lunch, and Desiree had bought a pack of these dinner picks, you know, with a little floss, one, one deal with floss and a little pick. And um, they put them up front. I said, hey, what y'all do with those dinner picks? I told Trina, check this out. I got those things everywhere, man. I got them in every vehicle and every nook and cranny. And Pastor John evidently likes these little floss deals. I love them. I don't know what all else. There were, there were two or three things that we realized we had in common um, and uh, well, I'll tell you one thing, we both married beautiful women, and that's, that's maybe uh, we both love Jesus and married beautiful. Come on, you can say amen to that. Uh, you're, we're incredibly blessed by Pastor John Desiree, and they are the real deal, y'all. They love Jesus. They love you. They love this community. They love this church. They love the work of God. They love lost people. They love um, laying themselves out and pouring themselves out. Uh, before the Lord to serve you, and um, I'm just I'm just grateful. Come on, let's give them a big, big. Come on, come on, come on, Impact City. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, you can. Let's honor the man of God. We thank God for Pastor John and Desiree. We love you. We believe in you, and we just speak the blessing of the Lord over your lives in Jesus' name. Beautiful presence of the Lord in the room today and um, beautiful worship and hospitality. If you're a guest like me, I met a few first-time guests today. I'll just say welcome home. You found the place where you belong and the Spirit of God is here and there's love here in this house. There's joy in the house and we're just grateful to be here today. I'm from Louisiana, so um, I don't know if y'all know about Boudreaux down in Louisiana. Anybody ever heard of Boudreaux in Louisiana? So let me just help you out. Boudreaux is this Cajun little guy. He's got all kind of weird things going on in his world. And uh, so it was his 20th anniversary. He and Clotilde, he went, took Clotilde out to have some Louisiana crawfish and some big old jumbo shrimp and some boudin. And they're going down to Moulats where they got a Zydeco band and there's some dance floor. And they, they finish their meal and they're just watching people dance. There's this guy on the dance floor that is just tearing it up, the Cajun splits, break dancing, uh, you know, moonwalking, backflips. Man, he was doing everything. Clotilde 
on the anniversary night says to Boudreaux, see that man cutting the rug out there? He said, I see him. He said, 25 years ago, he asked me to marry him. I turned him down flat. Boudreaux said, huh, look like he's still celebrating. <laughs> well, Boudreaux. <laughs> I was asking the Lord what he would have me to bring to you today, and I believe God's given me giving us an encouraging word, a challenging word for this moment. And I'm thankful for the word of God that brings life, it brings help, it brings healing, it brings hope. And uh, Jesus said in John 6, 64, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Say spirit and life. That's the kingdom of God, spirit and life. And we feel that, we sense that in this house. I want to talk to you from this idea today. It's a short walk home. It's a short walk home. I'm praying that before our time is concluded that you will be able to comprehend and understand and believe what I just said. It's a short walk home. Father, thank you today for your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. Thank you, God, for this beautiful morning that you've given us. We just give you honor and praise and glory for all that you have done, all that we've experienced so far, all the joy, all the love, all the uh, camaraderie, all the community. We just speak your blessing today. Thank you, Lord, for anointing your word, anointing our ears to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been to a church where it was all gloom and doom? I, I walked in this morning, and uh, I walked into the serve team room, and it was just people in there laughing. I mean, they were just laughing. Didn't didn't hurt that Jackie was in the room, all right? But uh, people were laughing, having a good time, slapping backs. I've been to places where it was all gloom and dread and despair, and the preaching was despair, and the prophecy was dark and gloomy, and you were made to feel like there was almost no way in the world you could ever make it to heaven, almost no way you could ever be saved. Like, they were trying to scare the devil right out of you. Now, some of you might need the devil scared out of you today. I'm not going to point to anybody, but you've been to those kind of places, perhaps. I know I have. And you went there to find hope, and you walked out completely hopeless. I do believe there are times when the realities of eternity and the the, uh, separation from God uh, need to be ministered, but I've come today with good news for you. It's a short walk home. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's a short walk home. Come on, tell somebody, it's a short walk home. I I, I just know that that, that, uh, when we feel like there is is no hope and um, we, we... we feel like we're down and depressed and down and out. We come and we sing songs like we've sang this morning. Man, as we sang today, I just took my iPad and I scribbled a couple of things in there because it's just a confirmation. I was kind of thinking this morning, man, I hope I got the right message. If you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about. And then they sang these songs. I'm thinking, I believe God's just given me a confirming word through this worship that the message today is on point. I've got good news to you. I love the song we often sing, I'm calling on the God of David who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I got my own giants. Anybody testify today? I got my own giants. You heard your children then, you hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You're the same God. How many of you know those aren't just words today? That's the truth of God's word for your life and for my life, for this community. Same God, 
Same God. I just wish that we could understand today how great God's love for us is. And I know you're believing that. I I believe you're still believing that, that he's the same God as he was back then. He's still working miracles today. He's still a healer. He's still a provider. He's still a way maker. He's still a God who loves you and went to the cross to save you. He's the same God yesterday, today, and say it with me, forever, forever. Maybe you know down deep in your heart the only reason you're here is not because you've been righteous uh, or because you've measured up or even that you've been good, but because God has been good to you. Is there anybody can raise your hand and testify? Only reason I'm here, I'll just be, let me see if I can do this. I, 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 I can't get both feet up, but I, I, only reason I'm here is not because I've been good, but because God has been good to me. Not, not because we've been good, God's been good to us. Titus 3, verses 3 through 5. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to so many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his love and kindness, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away. Man, what a scripture! That ought to be a, like a that ought to be a a, 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 a posted note on your on your makeup mirror where you shave in the morning. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you today, God is madly in love with you. If God had a refrigerator; your picture would be on it. Somebody said. In my time in ministry, there have been many situations where I've been called to stand beside a family to offer encouragement or prayer in a difficult moment, literally life and death moments, and um, <clears throat> in which you try to pray the right prayer. You try to say the right things. You know, there's somebody's losing somebody, and there's a, a family member about to go into eternity. Words really don't carry that much weight. Just your being there. So if you ever wonder, what should I say? I'm not going to go because I don't know what to say. No, you just, you just show up. That's what they remember. Not what you said, but that you were there for them, right? And, and uh, so I struggle. So what, what am I going to say? As a pastor, I got to say something, you know, I, can I offer the right counsel? Even in my own life, there have been those times when the bottom was literally falling out from under me. When Once I was working on an offshore drilling rig and I was the driller and um, they were, the rig was shut down. We were hurrying, jumping through ourselves and company men and, and tool pushers were screaming and hollering. Everybody's hollering and cussing. That's kind of the way it went out there in those days. And, and uh, because of a, of a slip in judgment, that quick, that quick, I did something that caused two of my guys on the rig floor to be hurt, one of them severely. And uh, man, in that moment, my little sandcastle uh, came crumbling at my feet. I felt all alone, guilty, rejected, humiliated. I felt shame, a dozen other emotions, uh, you know, uh, 120 miles out in the Gulf of Mexico, a chopper ride out there. I'm all alone. And the one thing I didn't feel in that moment was the presence of the Lord. I just felt, frankly, just to be honest, I felt like I was all by my, all by myself. Don't want to be. And I felt like I was all by myself, man. When our grandson Gibson, now he's a junior at Louisiana Tech, um, when he was born just eight or nine days into after his birth, they realized that his bilirubin count 
he was jaundiced really bad. They realized his biliary count was through the roof. The doctor said it's off the scale. The scale doesn't even measure it after 30. And he said it settles in the fatty tissues of the brain and the eardrum. And it's likely that he will be brain damaged and, and are both total hearing loss. And when, when we were believing and trusting and praying, and I'm going to tell you through that whole saga, there were dark and fearful moments and one blood transfusion, another blood transfusion, and, and it, wondering if it would ever be normal. And I've stood by people who were living in difficult times and more recent days, there was some not too distant past where circumstances of life were more than over. I'm going to tell you, when I, when I was standing by that baby's uh, NIC NIC unit bedside, I just didn't, I didn't really feel that the Lord was there. I'm overcome by my emotions. There'll be times in your life that will hit you with such force that you will suffer spiritual paralysis. And when people don't know what to do, when you don't know what to do, listen, when you don't have faith, I came to tell you today, when you don't have faith, he is faithful. Even when you can't muster anything to believe for the moment, there is a God who is faithful. He is always faithful. That's why David prayed in Psalm 61 and verse 2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What is he talking about? When I'm emotionally distressed, when I don't have faith to look up, when I, I got to look up to see bottom, when the rug of life has been pulled out from under me, when I don't know what in the world to do, where to turn, where to go, who to talk to, when I don't even know if God even exists, where are you, Lord? Where are you now? When my heart overwhelms me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Listen, somebody here needs to get this. I want to tell you something that every one of you know. We're a little afraid to say it because religion has scared us about our responsibilities. But I want to tell you, there's a God who is even bigger than your faith. And when your faith takes a direct hit, which, by the way, the enemy has made your faith a target. The enemy's made your faith a direct target. And when your faith takes a hit, God is bigger than your lack of faith. So I'm going to preach to you about faith because it can be a trap we fall into where there's, there are a lot of people trying to have faith in faith. Trying to have faith in faith. But I want us today to have faith, not in faith. I want us to have faith in God who is greater than our faith or the lack of it. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Because when I don't have faith, he's bigger than my faithlessness. I want, I want you to walk out of this building today with a deep and abiding sense of peace, not because you, you've been faithful, but because he is faithful. There are people listening to me right now who, frankly, in this room, by the report of the doctors, aren't supposed to be here, but you're here. They're here. Doctor said you wouldn't make it past your last health scare, but you're here to testify. He is faithful in the midst of all of it. When, even when you couldn't see it, even when you didn't have faith for yourself, God came through for you. Come on. It's, it's right to give praise to God. Somebody today is living testimony to the truth about God's faithfulness. Even when we're down, when we're in the pits, when we can't look up to see bottom, when we're in left field, God is faithful even when we're faithless. So I came to, to you with these thoughts because I know that I'm supposed to represent faith. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm supposed to project faith. But that's not always true in my life. I'll just be honest with you. 
In fact, I struggle and I suffer sometimes in my own life to, to measure up or thoughts in my head from my spiritual upbringing, frankly, that sort of demand things of me that I don't feel like I'm capable of delivering, that I don't really have in me. I wonder about that. I know how you are. There are times when I can leave a wonderful service, the almost tangible presence of the Lord, and then by tomorrow, wake up on Monday morning and feel all alone, feel empty, feel faithless, or be in a situation that is desperate and be worried and overwhelmed with life. First John 3.20, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And I just want to tell you, so you know that I'm testifying today, not for you to be strong. I think we, we will be strong because we have the, the Spirit of God in us, but not, not for you to be strong, not for you to have faith. I'm telling you that when I don't have any faith, God never changes. He is the immutable, unchanging, same yesterday, today, and forever. God, he remains faithful. He picks us up when we can't pick ourselves up. Amen. He picks us up when we can't pick ourselves up. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. I'm guessing most of us in the room today are Gentiles. We're probably not of Jewish descent. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were, listen to these words, you were excluded. You were excluded. I hate that. I hate it when religion excludes people who God wants to include. We are all, we were all excluded from the house of Abraham you, you don't belong here. You, you, you're not of the circumcision. You're of a different race. You're Gentiles. You're uncircumcised heathens, the Bible says. They thought of the, the uh, Gentile race. Your problems into modern day, your problems prevent you from worship. You, this church is not for people like you. Oh, we know your history. We know your past. We know what, what your past looks like. It's checkered. It's all jacked up. It's messed up. You're a messed up person. We, we don't want to sully and taint our wonderful little group here by people that are jacked up like you are. So you're not welcome here. Oh, we got a seat for you. It's all the way in the balcony up there. Well, Paul says, bring them in here and set them right there by pastor. Or, or James says that. James says, if you've got a, a, somebody that comes in ragged, look, hey, we got a seat for you right up front, baby. But religion excludes people. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know that the, the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now... But now, everybody look at your neighbor and say, but now, tell somebody, but now, but now, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Not by my works, not by what I did, not because I had the right track record, not because I was squeaky clean, and none of us are. No, he brought me near through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus that makes a difference in people's lives. Uh, listen, fill this church with people who's got a checkered past. Let the blood of Jesus do its work, and what you'll have is a room full of saints that love God and can testify of his grace and power in their lives. 
I love the Bible because the Bible is filled with stories of the real of real life people. Sometimes we read the Bible, we think of biblical characters as some super spiritual, superhuman, superheroes. But they're just normal people like every one of us. They got a lot of dysfunction in the Bible. They're messed up, man. Kind of like the person sitting on your don't look right here, just everybody look right here. They got real challenges. They're strange. They're messed up, they're, but they're like us. They're trying their best to follow God so he includes their lives in the pages of Scripture so we can see how their story ends because at the end of it all, they serve a God of power and faithfulness. And their, and their stories conclude with breakthrough where they find hope, where they find restoration, where they find healing, where they, there's a return to their moorings, where they get back to their foundations of faith. Uh, there, there's a revelation, a realization of the promise of God in their life. And while their lives they may have taken a bunch of twists and turns, twists and turns, we could all just give our testimony. We'd be here all day and all week telling of the twists and the turns that our lives have taken. They ultimately, and we ultimately arrived at the promise. It may have taken them a little while, but they got there. Come on now, don't sit there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you, well, let me just move on, okay. Um, the, same, <laughs> the same God who saved them, who brought breakthrough in their lives, that same God is still in control today and has brought us and is bringing us breakthrough in our own lives because he loves us. He loved us as much as he loved them. <clears throat> Just listen to the, the, the course we sang today. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. What you started, you'll complete it. If you started, you'll complete it. Philippians 1 and 6, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he intentionally included their stories in Scripture so we can see their ultimate outcome and their ultimate end. Listen, you've got a reason to hope today. And if we trust him, if we'll believe him and quit clinging to empty promises of yesterday and what the world says will fulfill us and what the world says this is what you need to make you happy and all, all those things, that God's promise will be ours. Look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. You may remember Paul wrote, a large part of the New Testament, basically half the New Testament, are books that the Apostle Paul wrote. Second Timothy is historically the last letter he wrote just before he died. And maybe you've read the verse where Paul wrote, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. That's in Second Timothy. He wrote that to Timothy, Paul's second letter to Timothy, he wrote that to Timothy just before he died, kind of his last words to Timothy, his son of the faith. And I think we'd all agree last words are always important. When Jacob was about to die, they, they leaned down as he pronounced the blessing over them. They wanted to hear, and he gave the blessing to his 12 sons. And they got, he, was, he was weak, and his body was weak, and his voice was weak. And so they stooped down to hear what the patriarch Jacob or Israel was saying over every one of his sons. When some of your parents or grandparents have passed, maybe you were right there and just listening, they're trying to say something. What, what are they saying? I want to hear the last word, Jesus' last words as he stood on the Mount of Ascension before he ascended into heaven. Uh, he gave last words before his departure. They were so, so important. 
Paul's giving some last words to Timothy. Do what you can to come see me. Do your best to come quickly, Timothy. There are many of you in the room today who have been raised in church, been around a, a lot of preachers, and you're very familiar with your Bibles. There are others maybe who are new to faith in Christ who may not know the verse we're about to read here. But just so you'll know, verse 10 has been spoken and read and preached many times through the years. Look at it with me now. Paul writes to Timothy, verse, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 9, and the first part of t- verse 10. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. The King James Version, the one I grew up with, the one that most of my scripture memory is based in, says it like this, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. It's kind of a lamenting cry. Paul is writing a letter to Timothy in, in prison from Rome, and he says, come quickly because Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That's where most of us preachers would stop. Demas has forsaken me, and, and, and he's left me. He loved this present world. That was a favorite evangelistic text. That was a youth camp text. And they had preached the paint off the walls with that text. Demas has forsaken me. He loved this present world. Don't you be a Demas. You're, you're, you're one step from hell. Be careful. You step outside the grace of God and all of a sudden you're gone and, and, and you're, you're chasing the world again. And man, they'd preach at a youth camp and those altars would fill up with young people running to the altar. Go, oh God, I don't want to be a Demas. I don't want to be a Demas. I don't want to be a Demas, Lord, loving this present world. But he says, Demas has forsaken me and he's gone to Thessalonica. I don't remember hearing that part, frankly. All I remember was Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. And I'm thinking, oh my God, Demas, you're, you're nuts. What in the world are you thinking? What, what happened to Demas? What was he thinking? But he says he went to Thessalonica, doesn't it? Let's look at Thessalonica. Two books that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian believers are a huge part of Paul's missionary journey and activities in Macedonia. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 1 through 3. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to, who, to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with me. We're getting somewhere. This is where Demas went, to Thessalonica. Let's put your city right there. Demas has forsaken me, and he's gone to Odessa, Texas. He's gone to Odessa. You okay? Everybody track it with me. May God, he says, God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. I mean, you read the New Testament letters of Paul to the churches, and, and he wasn't giving thanks for most of them. As a matter of fact, he was raking most of them over the coals. What in the world y'all got going on? You got all kind of, there's all kind of craziness going on in that church. Y'all got sin going on. You're just turning a, a blind eye to the craziness happening in your churches. What in the world? You guys, a lot of times he's saying, You're, y'all just a bunch of jerks. What in the world? Y'all call yourselves Christians? Get your act together. That's what he's saying a lot of times. But here he says, may God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. We think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and, endure, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Demas went to Thessalonica. Demas went to Odessa. But when I think of Odessa and the church here, well, they got faith. They've got hope. They've got love. They've got joy. We always stop at Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. But Paul says, hey, there's hope because he went to Odessa. And there's Impact City Church in Odessa. 
There's some people that love Jesus in Odessa. There's some people that are witnesses at school in Odessa. There's some people that are witnesses on their job in Odessa. There's a pastor down there named John Caranco that loves every kind of person who comes in broken and limping in. They just walked in here. Man, I'm getting excited. Come on, somebody. Can you say amen to that? I mean, there is a church in Odessa where Demas has gone to that city, and it's likely that he will find his way to Impact City Church when he gets to Odessa. Thank you, God, for a lighthouse in this community, and thank you for people who love Jesus enough to go the distance to reach out to somebody who is broken and disoriented and down and empty. There are people who will love broken people to life in this church. Praise you, God. Otherwise, why in the world do we have church? Just go ahead and rapture us out of this world, Lord. Nope, there's somebody that's broken. There are a few demises out here. As a matter of fact, there's probably 10,000 or 20,000 demises or maybe 50,000. I don't care. You can't hold them in one service. You can't hold them in five services. Every church in this community can't hold all the demises who have known the Lord but somehow got disoriented and, and, and drifted away, and they come back to God. You can't have enough services to Put them in this church. We always stop it. Always stop it. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. But 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 Paul said, "Hey Timothy, he's gone to Thessalonica. They got hope over there. That church is full of love. Those people love broken people. There's hope for Demas." 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 7, as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece, both throughout Macedonia and Achaia. Isn't this some of the best stuff you've ever read in the New Testament? I mean, I've read a lot of correction. I don't find this for you. As a matter of fact, you don't find it anywhere else where Paul's writing to churches, but you find it in Thessalonica. As a result, you become an example of all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need them to, we don't even need to tell them about Jesus. You already beat us to the punch. Those people at Impact City Church, man, they're out there in the community. They're telling people about Jesus. They're living lives that demonstrate the grace of God. They run into a demus and they find somebody who is a demus in, in their culture, maybe in their workplace, maybe the school, maybe on the campus, maybe the junior high, maybe the college. And they share their love with demus and Listen, listen to this preacher. He say to these people, he says in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, after all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It's you. <laughs> it's you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. How many of you like that to be spoken over your life? It's crucially important that we maintain our joy in serving the people of God. I've known a lot of pastors. I relate to a lot of pastors. And I got to tell you, some of the worst horror stories come out of, of, of some churches. It's, it's enough to send you careening over the edge, man, where after a great move of God on a Sunday morning and by Monday, the, the gossip lines are rolling. And do you know who she sat by in church? Do you, you know who that guy is? What in the world were they doing here? And on and on and on and on, and it's a big old saga, somebody finding faults, somebody's quitting the church, telephone rumors, walked out on Jesus, somebody's writing somebody else off, and by Thursday, you feel a million miles away from the Lord. So hurt, so confused, so messed up, 
you feel like the Spirit of the Lord is lifted off your life. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. Hey, Demas, it's a short walk home. You're in the right place. First Thessalonians 3, 6. But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in the faith, it gives us new life to know that you're standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter into God's presence. I asked Nate to help me be a volunteer up here. This is our Demas. Look, I, I knew I was in Texas, but I wasn't totally sure. And then he confirmed it today when I saw him come in with that hat. I'm thinking, thank God. I thought I might be in the wrong place. Come on, give, give Nate a hand. Thank you, Nate. This is our Demas right here. This is our Demas. And, 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 and really, when, when you think about Demas, you, 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 the, the scripture and the text and what we've always been told, it's like Demas. You knew better, man. I mean, you went to ministry school. You followed Paul around. What in the world were you thinking? Where in the world did you get off track? You've been to Dream Team Celebration meeting. You serve on the Dream Team. You're part of the core of the church, man. You, maybe, maybe you served as an elder. You knew the ins and outs. You knew better, but you let some offense stick right there. Like, have you ever got a splinter in your thumb? And it was like microscopic, but you couldn't see it. You needed a a magnifying glass, but you couldn't find one. And that thing gets more tender with time, more tender, more tender, and it festers and it gets red. And so many people get a splinter in their spirit. Demas may have got a splinter in his spirit. You got a splinter in your heart, man. That thing, you let that, you didn't get it out. You let it fester and you, you let it grow and, and, and you turned your back on what was right. Maybe you, you backslid and a lot of people trust you, bro, and you let them down. What in the world were you thinking? It's sad to think about what you'd feel in your heart. What do you mean, Demas? Why in the world you got mad? What do you mean you got hurt? What in the world were you thinking? We're all reeling from your departure, brother. He's a good man. He just got some things twirling around in his head. Something got twisted up. He believed the lie of the devil. He couldn't get out of this funk that he was in. A thousand arguments in his mind going over all day long. And what, what, I mean, what do we feel when people let us down? You let us down, Demas. We knew you were up and coming. You are probably going to be a pastor one day. You forsook me, Paul says. Demas, you forsook me. But you went to Thessalonica. And just before Paul dies, he says, Timothy... Demas is in trouble, but hallelujah, praise the Lord. He went to Impact City. He went to Odessa, Texas, an Impact City church. He's got plugged in. Demas, I think there's hope for you, man. I believe because of the grace of God, God's got, God's got a plan for, for Demas, and we're here to help Demas find his way back to the grace of God, get back on track. Come on, give it up for Demas. Give it up for old Nate. We love you, friend. God bless you. Listen, Demas in trouble, but uh, hallelujah, he's gone, to, he's gone to Odessa. I understand where you're at. Listen, I understand. Your pastor understands where some of you may be at. Thank God there is a pastor in this city who doesn't turn his nose up at somebody who comes in with brokenness in their life. But there are people in this church and a pastor who leads well. Who are going to say, I've been, I know what it means to fail. I, I've been around a while. I know, I know what, so many times we fall out when we should have fallen in. 
We're not going to come in here and interrogate you. We're just going to love you here. This is a place of grace. This is a place where people come to find healing and hope and deliverance and recovery and acceptance. Welcome home, Demas. We're glad you're here. I'm telling you, God's grace is enough. Don't keep running. It's a short walk home, Demas. Welcome home. Most of us know exactly what I'm talking about. We drift away from that close, intimate, personal relationship with the Lord. Days, weeks, maybe even months go by when you don't, you're not plugged in, you're not communion with the Lord. Maybe you're missing church. Maybe you're out of fellowship. You're not a part, part of an of a impact group, and you're just kind of out there on the wings. And then you hear a song on the radio, and a flood of the Spirit of God comes into the cabin of your vehicle, washes over you. You hear a voice in your spirit. It's a short walk home. The devil would lie to you and say, you can't get back there from here. But the scripture would teach us it's a short walk home. I sat with an individual recently that experienced the death of a loved one, personal pain, avalanche of broken relationships, had fallen out of her church and had broken, uh, had been broken by life and uh, had been a faithful attendant in a local church, not our church, but another local church and, and had fallen out, just kind of going through the motion of their faith and finally fallen out of fellowship with the church and just been wandering in the wilderness and darkness and loneliness and aloneness. That's where the enemy wants to get you. He wants to peel you off like that, that, that poor little old gazelle you've seen on the, on the uh, uh, what is it, the, one of those channels. They, they got the, the, the cougar or whatever it is, the, and he's chasing. He, he peels that weakest gazelle off, and he tackles it and gets it right by the throat and chokes it down. That's what the devil wants to do. When you're, when you're feeling alone and lonely, the, the, what, you, what you need to do is not separate. What you need to do is not fall out but fall in. You got an old saying, I always say, it, the, the banana that leaves a bunch is going to get peeled, right? I think we understand that. She had just been in the, in the wilderness by herself. I met this person in the marketplace, did some business with the person, basically insisted, hey, just come visit us at Christ Church. Through, through tears, she said, she told me later, she said, that first service I attended, I sat overwhelmed with the grace of God, weeping in the presence of the Lord. I need somebody who believes this, somebody who's lived it, because the Scripture teaches us that God allowed us all to be under sin so that he could show us mercy. All have sinned. We were all rejected. We were all separated from God as he drew us near by the blood of Christ. Let me say it like this. God's best day is when he gets to let you off the hook. He's not looking to pulverize you. He's not sitting in heaven waiting with a big old sledgehammer waiting on you to make one misstep. Boom! I'll teach you, sucker. That's not your God. His best day is when he gets to let you off the hook, when the power of the blood of Jesus covers and cleanses and restores. Come on, somebody who's been forgiven and cleansed and covered and restored. When you believe this, you won't meet people out in the front lobby and, and, and say goofy things out of self-righteousness like this. Well, look who in the world showed up at church today. Where in the world have you been? Oh, that's not what they need. Oh, my God, look who showed up. No, what they need is it's so good to see you. Oh, my goodness, I'm glad you're here. God's got something for you today. We're thrilled to see you. Listen, I believe there are broken people all over this county who have known God but who have fallen out 
drifted away from the Lord like a demons when they should have been when, when when they should have been close to God they fell out but they heard there is a church called Impact City Church and they're looking for something not that's not going to be harsh and demeaning and hard but gracious and loving and forgiving how much like Christ they're trying to be see how much like Christ they can be this building can't hold them they can't hold them they, because they, people don't need to be pounded to powder they need to be prayed for with power People don't need to be gouged and grilled. They need to experience the grace of God. They, they, they already carrying a boatload of shame. What they need now is to be supported by people who have been there and walked out of that and are living in a beautiful relationship with God and help them wade themselves out of the pit of their sinful past and into the grace and glory of God for their lives. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9, we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. But God himself has taught you how to love one another. Instead, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. So, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. We urge you to love them even more. Another song that we sang today, I believe it was this morning, this wayward son has found his way back home. This wayward son has found his way back home. I was... Pastor John put that graphic up this morning. I shared with the dream team earlier this morning. I was 17 years. I've been raised in a pastor's home all my life. When I was eight, nine years old, I used to copy scriptures to memorize them. I think God had a plan for my life way back then, but I, I all, all the way into my adult years as a, as a young dad, we were faithful in serving the Lord. We were part of the church family. I would be out on a, on a drilling rig and, and standing over a mud pit and, and copying 1 Corinthians 13 and John 14, entire chapters, trying to commit those chapters and scriptures to memory. And then when I, get, but, but, but then I, I got, early in my life, I got, away from the Lord, and I got to hanging around the wrong people, and I got to doing things I shouldn't do, and, and um, ultimately, I was with my cousins. We started vandalizing a bunch of stuff, and you saw the whole, I got the name Marble Bandit in our community, and uh, I was underage, so thank God they couldn't publish my name, but that was me that you saw that newspaper clipping about. I told the Dream Team this morning, I've been fingerprinted, mugshotted, and locked up in jail, three different jails in our parish. One of them, they threw me in a holding cell with this guy, a redheaded dude who was strung out on drugs. I knew him from high school. He was still in high school, so was I. And he's sitting in that jail, just in that cell, just me and him. He parted that long, red, greasy hair, and he looked out at me. Tommy Lowe, what are you doing in here? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a Demas. I'm not a doofus, but a Demas, both of them. I don't know what I'm doing in here. I'm just trying to get out. But even in that, God never let go of my life. And he put some people around me, some people in my world that would love me and help shape me and direct me and guide me to health and wholeness. It's a short walk home, folks. It's a short walk home. And, and, and to, for me to stand up here, and Pastor John may never have me back after I tell that story, but it's, it's, it's his fault because he put the graphic up. But to know that God could take somebody like me, I could give every reason to God why I can't preach the gospel, why I can't be effective, 
But God takes all my missteps and my brokenness and my pain, my sorrow, all my mistakes, all the times I was unfaithful, all the times when I didn't do what I said, promised God I was going to do. All the, you, you wrap the whole thing, a big ball of wax, and lay it at the feet of Jesus, and the breath of God just melts it away, and he brings you to a place where he knows, I'm going to use that person. Demas, it's a, it's a short walk home, Demas. It's just a short walk home. There are people in this room today who... Maybe you're not plugging into a church family. Maybe you just come and sit and come in late and slip out early. We got a bunch of them like that at home. Because the devil's telling you, eh, you got too much in your past. Those people could never love you. If they knew about you, they wouldn't even want you to come. I want to tell you, this is a house of healing. This is a place where broken people find restoration. This is a place where we don't give up or give in or give over. We just say to God, God, here I am with all my pain, all my past, all my circumstances. Every time I failed, every time I was faithless, Lord, I just say, God, when I didn't have any faith, you were faithful. When I couldn't believe for myself, God, you believed for me. When I didn't believe that the love of God could be true for my life because I was so messed up such a history of failure and brokenness and sinfulness, abject sinfulness. But God, you love me anyway. So much that you gave your one and only son to die to pay for my sins. And I am accepted not because I am good or righteous or holy. I am accepted because he is good and righteous and holy. He is for me, not against me. He is for you, not against you. You'll never come to God and find that God stiff arms you. But every person who comes to God, will find his loving open arms reaching to embrace you and to give you hope and peace for your future. Would you just bow your heads with me right now? Some of you in the room, maybe you've, maybe you've never known the Lord and you've never drifted from God because you've never known the Lord. Your first step is waiting for you. Just to say, Jesus, I've heard the stories about your grace. I've heard of your mercy and your kindness and your restoration. I'm on top of the world, top of my career, top of my wage earning capabilities. I'm, I'm doing well. My family's in good shape. The kids are doing well with, with good grades and we got insurance paid up, good rubber on the tires. And But Lord, there's, there's something missing in me. There is a void. It's, I'll tell you what it is. It's a, it's a Christ-shaped void. The puzzle of your life will never be complete until you just say, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. And before we move on, I just want to give you an opportunity. Somebody in this room perhaps has never said to Jesus, I need a Savior. Jesus, would you come and forgive me of my sin? I want to make you the Lord of my life. Heads are bowed. Nobody's looking around. Would you just raise your hand right where you are right now? Come on. Be bold. Be strong. Put your hands up. Thank you. I see that hand. Come on. Another hand. Anybody else? Other hands in the room. Come on. Would you help me celebrate the goodness of God right now that God wants to reach to somebody? With your head still bowed, eyes are still closed. There are people right here, right now. You know you're not fulfilling what God's called you to do because you got this little, you got this little demonic thing going on in your mind, constantly telling you it's it's the it's the constant real. Uh, it, it's the old. CD or tape player or a video and, and just run it and all your mess ups and all your sin and then you rewind and you play it again. Play it again. Play it again. 
God wants to put an end to your pain. You say, but God, yes, God, God can do it, comma, but. No, God wants you to do away the comma. Just say God has done it and chisel a period in that thing and say forever, I'm walking away from my past. I'm walking away from my failure and I'm running to Jesus. Come on, you stand to your feet across this room right now. I'm running to Jesus. I'm saying to Jesus, Lord Jesus, Come and cleanse me, help me, heal me, restore me. I want to be all in with you, Jesus. I want to be all in. Maybe there's some of you in the room today who have struggled believing that God would do it for you, that He could restore your marriage, that He could give you the job that you so desperately need. He could give you the peace of God about your family situation or parental issue that you're dealing with or an aging parent thing. I, I don't know what it might be. I just want I just came to tell you it's a short walk. It's a short walk home to the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ.